Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into a Storm of Swords, Sansa 2. And Matt, every time you do not say the Bud Knight, it's going to take some time. Yeah. I you know I feel like we're making th- we're making changes here, Jimmy. Okay, Jimmy. you know I'm re it's like I'm reformatting everything. It's diving back into re overhauling the Patreon. We're discussing new formats and everything we want to do to make all of this whole content experience for the listeners and viewers, people who watch it on YouTube better. I've started uploading. I'm going to be uploading all of the episodes, all of the podcasts. I will be uploading as videos on YouTube. Uh, so excited. I've wanted to do it for a long time, but you know, I was on that old century link internet and you couldn't do it. <laughs> you know, it would take like three years just to do. Okay. And then I was using a, send a Raven. It's exactly right. And then I was using my old MacBook pro from like, you know, 2018 or something. And no, nope, you had to switch it. I want it's, it's, it's 2023 now. It's almost 2024. It's time for 4k video full live action podcasts i mean we can't be stuck in the stone ages here i mean i agree i uh i'm excited man Uh, we yeah we were talking kind of before we went live um we've been seeing big growth in the numbers uh which we appreciate Mm -hmm. from all of you out there Uh, it's an exciting time uh to to be doing this show but we are looking to uh to to change things up a little bit you know we're going to continue doing the reread you don't have to worry about that but we're also going to be bringing back some favorites possibly uh the maester study do do you people remember the maester study huh uh and then follow-up friday type deals right a lot more ravens yeah so and you were talking and you were talking about wanting to know you because we did a little tease of it before we dived back into the reread of of diving back into a world of ice and fire and yeah, we are going to maybe do some like bigger Patreon episodes, stuff like that about it. So I'm going on vacation to Italy or really I'm actually just going to Rome next month. That's and exciting. Have you ever been before? Uh, never been to Europe. Never so Europe. never Me. been to Europe. Yeah. And really, it's like we are going to Italy, but I view it more as going to Rome. All right. Which is like that's like number two on my list of places I want to go. Of All the places I could travel to outside of the United States, right? Um, it's Japan is number one. I want to go to Japan at some point. Really, I'm a history guy. i um, taken Latin in high school, but it was just really more of like a Roman history class. And I loved learning so much about Roman history, Greek history, all of that. And so Rome is really my number two. It's like, yeah, I guess it is also Italy, but really it's like, I want to see the Colosseum, see the Pantheon. Yeah the fountains and you know the vatican's there so technically the vatican city is another country so i kind of get across two off my list wow you're an international traveler man you're uh, yeah. you're hitting the big the big uh ones off the list you should uh stop in northern uh england while you're over there and check out hadrian's wall uh, do that. i've been uh looking into uh a lot of George R. R. Martin's inspirations lately and just been doing some research and Hadrian's wall. When I hear Europe, that's the first thing I think of, because now I really want to go see it. Uh, Cause I guess George stood on it one day and that was like one of the things that kind of dawned on him. Like, man, wouldn't it be amazing to like scale this up? And he also took inspiration from uh, Gene Wolfe's book of the new sun. It has a, the wall of Nessus, which is like this massive city, but like <laughs> the walls are so big, you can't see the top. Like it's, it's a crazy thing. And then there's like a, a gate that you can go through, which is very similar to, to the wall. But, but man, I am jealous 
that I said all that to say I'm very jealous. I've always wanted to go to Rome. Always. Yeah. Well, I'm down to go. To, I'm down to go to England too. You know, or the United Kingdom, or I don't know. You know, every time I always forget how it works over there. You got England. You got the UK. <laughs> there's like Northern Ireland's part of it, and Scotland. I am going to Ireland next year, supposedly. We'll see if it actually happens. But I'm supposed to go to Ireland. Well, Ireland is its own thing. Northern yeah. Ireland is part of the United Kingdom. Well, I'll be going to both Northern Ireland and Ireland, and I believe there's a bunch of Game of Thrones exhibits in Belfast, which is, I believe, in Northern Ireland. So I will be going uh, to do those museums. Uh, just basically having a Game of Thrones vacation is how I've worked it out uh, with my wife, who's gracious enough to, to let me be a nerd on vacation. So I, I'll let you know how it is. I don't know if it's going to compare to Rome, but we'll see. Well, we'll see, you know, yeah, we'll see. So cool. All right, guys. Well, hey, we have some a little bit of news to dive into today. Like we said, um, we got the chapter. It's actually kind of a short chapter as well. So if we have time at the end, we might hit up a raven. But before we get to that, Jimmy, there's something that I was actually thinking about this past week. You know, we were talking last week. So just kind of a, a dive back into last week about John and Agret because it was a Jon Snow chapter. Mm hmm. And we were talking about, you know, how sad it is that Agret dies. And of course, you know, what does that mean for John? Like potentially with Val, what does it mean for John with Daenerys? You know, we actually, I was actually kind of thinking about this. Do you find any solace in the fact that I guess in theory, we live in an alternate Song of Ice and Fire universe in which Jon Snow and Agret actually get together since they're both the actors are married? <laughs> yes i do actually it's like one of my favorite stories <laughs> from the show i mean sophie turner and joe jonas are divorcing the world's falling apart ladies and gentlemen How, yeah joe what? jonas wasn't joe jonas wasn't in game of thrones how so. do you fumble that bag i mean my well goodness. if she marries ed sheeran then we might get a reboot we might get a reboot but it, you know it's kind of crazy we actually live in an alternate song of ice and fire universe <laughs> In which John and Agret actually get together. See, the multiverse is real. I We're mean, already clearly. part of it. <laughs> so where would you live if if we were in an alternate universe within Westeros? Like, where would you go? And if I could live anywhere in Westeros or if I yeah. could live anywhere in... Like, America just turns into yeah. Westeros tomorrow. Where, where are you packing the uh, old mule to? I guess it depends on my profession. You know, they should make Game of Thrones life. That would actually be I'm great. So, in. so Game of in. Sims. <laughs> down. Um, if I could live anywhere, I mean, maybe the reach, I guess. I, I if, if I was like, if I was rich, I'd probably want to live, you know, in like King's Landing or something. But you don't want to be rocking in Fleet Bottom, though. No, 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 no. <laughs> The North, the only problem with the North is that it's too, it's almost like too big to where it's not entirely safe. Right. Yeah. Like if you live like, cause you're like too far away from stuff to be protected. If there's like bandits and you know, things and some like, obviously free folk as we're calling them now are trying to be, you know, fair to fair yeah, to them. The we're, we're, we're getting rid of that derogatory term. I don't even want to say it anymore. In fact, it's derogatory. <laughs> in fact maybe that's where i'd want to live is with the free folk yeah put your money where your mouth is <laughs> yeah well they don't have money so <laughs> you, you you had me at no money <laughs> i think uh if i had to pick i'd probably be going down the door and getting that nice base tan maybe hooking up with some of the mm -hmm. sand snakes down there you know they're a little looser uh just depends yeah. on how humid it is is it a dry heat i think it's a dry no, heat. It feels, 
It's gotta be dry heat. There's there's snakes and scorpions. I'm out. I don't do that. Yeah, but you're gonna have a sword. No, I don't care. I I could I, I could have a gun now and live in like Texas or Arizona. I any place that has scorpions, I'm out. But Absolutely you're okay not. with with the, with the brown recluse up in the PNW. You're fine with that. You don't really get those. I'm, I'm really? I've no actually Oregon. Um, man, you don't really honestly. You don't really see a lot of bugs. I mean, what? maybe if you you maybe you live in like the deep woods or something, but at least like in this part of Oregon, maybe I don't know, maybe on the other side of like Eastern Oregon and stuff like that, where it's really kind of more desert, you can actually kind of do, but not really. No, here's a, here's a better question. How about this? But I don't do, I don't do, I don't do scorpions. And I definitely, I don't do alligators or any of that. So I ain't going to the marshlands in Westeros or Florida. You're not going to the craglands. No, oh, you know, <laughs> what's the, the worst place to live would probably be the iron islands. Uh, yeah, <laughs> everything's important. <laughs> There's like yeah. nothing that grows there. Uh, they're drowning yeah. you. It sounds horrible. And and the Lord and the Lord's all think it's cool to go kill you and steal your stuff. Yeah, I think I'm out on that. I, I think I would avoid that in the Dothraki Sea, like the plague. I don't. I wouldn't want to oh, be yeah. at either of those places. Uh, you know, Esso sounds great. Um, for you know a, a riskier lifestyle, it sounds kind of fun. Um. Bravos is beautiful this time of year. Yeah. Here's a question. What is the Oregon of Westeros? Maybe the Vale, even though I know it, you mm. think it's kind of, you have to flip it around to think about it, but I would say it's probably the Vale. I could see that. Well, the problem, the problem with Oregon and the problem with the Northwest is that when people think of the Northwest, they think of like forests and the coast but really like the majority of Oregon and Washington is actually desert. Like, you know, it's like, it's like a two thirds of Washington and Oregon is actually more like Idaho than it is like what's on the coast. Hmm. So you're sticking with the reach or the, yeah, I probably, yeah, I'd still say for like what part of Oregon I live in, is probably pretty similar to the veil because it's they're still kind of mountainous and as you're heading towards the coast, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. What I, is I the like what is what is the Maryland of Westeros? Uh, you know, we're close to the cat. We're close to D.C., so I would say you know we're like down there in King's Landing area, right? Like, yeah, you're not really the Stormlands. You're maybe just yeah. kind of just like a little little dot. Next to you're kind of maybe over my like drift mark. I could see drift north. I, I like drift mark as you head into the veil. Yeah, I like that. I think that works. Maybe I'll start flying yeah. a drift mark flag outside of my house. Let me look. <laughs> drift mark flag. I might. I might. Well, yeah, a little seahorse on that flag. Are you kidding? That's kind of cool. That's oh, that sounds hilarious. Cool. Yeah, it has enough history. You know what? I'm taking. Yeah, drift mark. Drift Mark is Maryland. Yep. I'm with you. I love it. All right. What's the West Virginia of Westeros? <sighs> Probably the, the twins. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually the West Virginia is like house Targaryen. Because they're all just they're all just hooking up with each other, keeping no it offense. in the family. No offense to all of our West Virginia listeners. I'm I'm originally from that area. So Jamie's from West Virginia. He said it's okay. Yeah, I can say that. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, all right. All right. Well, that's enough of that. Let's dive into a little. There's a little bit of news here. Okay? Yeah. Pretty interesting news, I think. Yeah. So there's kind of a leak, kind of a potential. We don't exactly know the way it's going to work. But in the House of the Dragon season two, on the makeup table, somebody took a photo of this and it was like a it's a picture of like a zombie. Right. And that's really all we got from it. And there's, you know, there's some leaks of battles and things like that. We know we're going to the north. So the naysayers, we'll start with them, are saying this could just be like dead bodies. Like they just say, like, make it look like a zombie, but it could be dead bodies because we know season two is going to be a lot more wars. There's going to be a lot more fighting. Sure. So that could be what they're pointing to. Um, the other people are saying, well, we're going to the north. If they're making zombies, are we going to see White Walkers? <laughs> it would have to. All right. So what do you first? What do you think? What, what, what's your gut tell you? Um, I'd say, I think we will, because I thought I think I thought that we would see them at some point. So if they do it. There has to be a reason for them to go north of the wall. Uh, there's pretty yeah. much no explanation. And I want to come back to this in a second because there's something really cool this show could do that I would like to see. But I could see them going. I don't know how, but they would have to go beyond the wall. Because if you tell me that there's other, maybe there are others down below the wall, but I, I don't buy it because like, you know, Robert's Rebellion post no, that no. Is when you're supposed to really see the first thread of this, like, to make it super unbelievable to the people who are in the current era in the main series. But I, I think I would enjoy the fact that it reinforces that fact that the Starks and the Targaryens at some point had a pact about the prophecy. I actually think that that would, that is like worth exploring. I think it's really interesting and it re it, it would do a lot for the story overall, like the whole story. So I'm fine right. with that. Uh, one cool thing that they could do is show us the wall in the night's watch at like a actual respectable level. You know what I mean? Like not it just being a bunch of random kids running around that stole or murdered or pillaged or whatever showing like, I'm talking about big honorable nights in the night's watch garb and it's booming. I think that would be really cool. You just hit on something that I had not thought about. And yes, I agree with everything you said, but you just hit on something that I don't know that anybody else has talked about. And I think you might've just opened the floodgates to like one of the biggest song of ice fire theories. I I'm going to have to look it up to see if anybody's actually thought about it. You just said the word packed, like the pack, like a pack device and fire and all these things mm -hmm. thinking about what if the reason Craig and Stark knelt was because he was like, they're coming. Winter is coming. Oh, I think that's 100 percent. Yeah, I think that's you definitely. Th what but but that nobody's ever, George has never like commented on that and all this. Like, like we've he's talked about Aegon having a prophecy. Yes. But there's but there it's never been theorized as in Craig and Stark, like World of Ice and Fire and everything tells us that the reason Craig and Stark knelt was because he was like, we're going to everyone's going to die. Like Winterfell's literally out in the middle of the wide open. Targaryens will come and wreck everything like but the reason he may have knelt maybe because Aegon said I will help you win win that war which 
flip side, I know maybe some people didn't like the way it happened in the Game of Thrones, but it could be something that George told Dan and Dave is John does kneel to Danny in the exact same way. Saying, if you help me beat the White Walkers, then yeah, I'll join your side. Yeah, and and also that could still play out in the books in a reasonable way and not the way it wins at the show. Because I don't think like John kneeling to Danny really bothered anybody. It was the fact that all that came after that. Uh, well, I, think... I, 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 I think it bothered. I think it bothered people because he was literally named King in the North and the and the single coolest scene in the entire show. And then two episodes later, he's like, OK, well, I'll bet the need to Daenerys. Well, I should say, I'm sure some people didn't like it, but I think right. that I think right. the biggest issues like came after that. For so sure. Certainly. I, I think it could be something along these lines. Right. Um, especially in the books. This seeing that we think that Danny is more of like a sword against the others rather than her just wanting the throne. So uh, I am not definitely I'm definitely not the only person that has said that, by the way. I have heard other like Reddit and, and other creators say that before. So unfortunately, I'm not the most I'm not the first, uh, but I am a firm believer in it. I'm a firm believer that Torrens Dark knelt because of the prophecy, whether he had dreams or he had seen things or something else. I, I believe that. Okay. So the zombies that we see in House of the Dragon season two, do you think oh. you think we're going to see them? White Walkers no. and others. No, I I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to, you know me, I'm always the, the negative Nancy. I'm going to say that I bet it is just something for the battles. It's dead. It's dead people. Yeah. It just, I don't understand how we would go North of the wall and you can't have them below the wall. If you have them below the wall, it like no. undermines everything in the main series, which I don't think Ryan Condell would do. Yeah. I, I don't, if you show one, then you might have to do something with it later is the problem and i don't yeah. think they're they're gonna but i think they could certainly hint at or tease a white walker and potentially show a white somehow or something i i i kind of think we will i certainly think they will they will like they will hint at it somehow because there's already the prophecy of the of the white walkers being the thing that's driving this whole war yeah, and maybe it's one of those things where they bring a dead body back from the wall or something, and we get kind of like the the Jor Mormont Same thing, thing. Have, right? Yeah, kind of, and then you know it's one of the um, the Targaryen boys, like what the hell, you know, Jace or somebody, and and maybe right. that's it. I I don't know. I actually think if it were to happen, it would be later in the series, personally. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe it's a flashback. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's. Um, we, we see the, a flashback to the kneeling that's possible. Could right? be. Oh yeah. Could be. Cragen might could. say, you know, this is the first time we've met with the Targaryen since blah, blah, blah. And then they flash back to it. Yeah. That could be a cold open as well. I mean, there's plenty of options. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm sticking with my gut saying it's not, but I would, I'd be interested to see how they would put it forth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, all all interesting ideas and things to think about. It's anytime we get a little bit of House of the Dragon season two news, it's great because right now all the House of the Dragon season two news is really not that lot much because the writer strike is. Yeah, and they're wrapping you know, filming and, pretty soon, and they'll move into yeah. post production. And you know, I'm hoping that the writer strike. I know it, they were kind of weirdly immune, but you know, you always wonder. 
that. If right. We well, the other happen. the other thing is there is a looming uh, VFX strike coming. Now that Dis- would be it. That'd be the end of the show. Uh, because uh, Disney's VFX team, I mean, Marvel is, I think, more like the main uh, sort of culprit behind it. But I'm, I'm sure you know they have Star Wars and their live action stuff as well. But uh, they just voted. They just sort of said, hey, we want to unionize like today. I think it was the was the news because they want to potentially go on strike uh, as well. All righty. Well, and the strike day? and the, and that strike has expanded now too into um the actors union is pushing for voice actors to strike as well. Cause technically voice actors, I don't think strike. So that would, aff- that would also begin to affect like video games when I saw, um, but I'm sure, you know, cartoons and animated things as well. Oh, definitely. So, so it could, this whole, like just because of the right, it's not just the writers and actors, you know, it could move into, into other things too. VFX would be the big one, which would certainly hinder a show coming out anytime soon. So, okay. So with that, I did have one in. other thing. One small. Oh thing. yeah, that, let's let's go into it. Yeah. So, uh, Vanity Fair released an article, folks, and it's talking about perfect episodes of television, like what they consider twenty-five perfect TV episodes from the last twenty-five years, quarter of a century. Uh, they have stuff from Sopranos, Secession, Mad Men, Wire, Six Feet Under, and Game of Thrones was also on here. Uh, they really just picked one, I believe, per show. And the one they picked was Battle of Blackwater Bay. And this is an episode, of course, that George R. R. Martin wrote himself. Uh, and he was very excited about it. But he also said that he thought the, uh, I think it was the Lion and the Rose was another one that he really enjoyed um, but it's one of only four or five that he pinned all by himself, which is really interesting that all the seasons and all the amazing episodes that even Dan and Dave had, you know, before they uh, went off cliff uh, that George, you know, this is a, a neat little accolade. It's not a uh, Oscar or an Emmy or whatever, but kind of cool. Uh, Vanity Fair has been around a really long time and uh, George was pretty excited about it. And I was too. Blackwater Bay is my favorite battle in. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I like it more than Helm's Deep. That's a hot. Yeah, take. no. Yeah. Blackwater. Blackwater is absolutely amazing. And I think Blackwater is probably the first episode. It's I mean, Game of Thrones is great. Obviously, those first four seasons, you know, it's, our, it's why Game of Thrones is the most award winning television show in history. Yes. And I mean, Blackwater is the like, especially because of the way season one ends where like the Ned Stark episode, that's episode nine. And it's like, holy, wasn't expecting that. I mean, this one really cranks up. Yeah, the <laughs> cranks it up too. Um, so yeah, I think that's the first part, like episode that's like, like whoa, right? Because they didn't have the budget in season one to do the whoa. Now, obviously, we, it's a whoa when Ed Stark gets killed and dragons are hat. We know that, but the first like real big battle is like captivating, amazing. Yeah, best battle. And this is it. And this is I'm looking at the article now, too. This isn't a top. This is a top 25, but they don't rank them. They don't say like this is number one because it really has like a wide variety of shows here. They have like um, Friends and The Wire, like you said, the Bernie Mac shows on here. Uh, And then, yeah, the episode from The Sopranos is Pine Barrens, which was the obvious choice. So good. Definitely the best episode. The the, best. He's an interior decorator. You know, I don't know. You know, (laughs) it's uh, the by far the 
it's seven. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start doing Patreon episodes where we just watch the Sopranos. Uh, down, um, <laughs> down to watch to, to watch to watch the Sopranos. But that is that's definitely the best episode. And they had the they had an episode from The Office on here to the injury. That's the one where Michael Scott, you know, sticks his foot. He yep. tries to uses George Foreman and injures his foot. Yeah, that episode's that episode. I watched the uh, Battle of Blackwater Bay last year. Um and no, I guess it was two years ago. It was when my, my wife was first watching through ever. And we watched Blackwater Bay. And I was just, I forgot how good it was. So if you folks have it been a few years on an OLED TV. Oh, it looked on 4K OLED. <laughs> it was incredible. I would, I, yeah. I think to celebrate, we should all watch Blackwater Bay episode. I think that that yeah. is appropriate this weekend folks yeah. that would actually along. be that's that'd be a fun patreon episode to rewatch. like no i mean we wouldn't have to do a rewatch of the whole show though you know eventually at some point we would love to do that but like we could pick like specific episodes maybe we could let our patrons vote on which episodes we should watch Ooh. and then we could do commentary yeah that'd of be it fun. Be like, yeah then that'd be a fun thing to do and another thing we should do here on the main feed is that we should rank the battles from the show i think that would be a lot of fun oh That'd be good. It'd be a lot harder than you think. Yeah, harder although I think not. I th oh, Battle of the Bastards are really Battle good. Bastards. I was I, that episode. I was I was real nervous, real real nervous for Jon Snow. Poor Rickon, he just couldn't run in diagonal. Yeah, he didn't play Halo. Diagonal. He didn't know how to strafe. He didn't uh, learn how to dodge. So duck, yeah. dive, dodge, and duck. Yeah, I can play dodgeball too. All right. All right. Okay. Let's dive into this chapter here, Jimmy. This is a really short chapter, although there is a lot of um, like scheming behind the scenes. So this is one oh, of those. Yes. Sometimes I call these like bridge chapters where it kind of like it spins the web out a little bit more, even though like there's not a lot going on directly. There's a in... lot of character development for Sansa. We get a lot of signifiers yeah. and road signs from George that things are about to change for her. And yeah. honestly, it, it's funny because I think it's a big foreshadowing chapter too. huge foreshadowing chapter. But I think on a first read through or a surface level read, you would say, hey, things are looking up for Sansa. She's going to get married. She got to dress from the queen. She's not with Joffrey anymore. But George is actually in the undercurrent of this chapter showing you that her life is so sad and so yeah. terrible. Um, it, I would say it's probably an upgrade from Joffrey, uh, but at the same time, uh, it is just horrible how people are treating her from every side, even Dantos, even Dantos. Yeah. All right, here we go. So Sansa is being fitted for a new gown provided by Queen Cersei. Marjorie tells Sansa that she does not fear Joffrey because her father only conceded her hand in marriage with the provision that Loras was named to the King's Guard. Her brother will be her brother will protect her from Joffrey. When Sansa tells Dantos about the Queen of Thorns plans to marry her to Willis, the drunk man warns her that the Tyrells wish to wed her for her claim to Winterfell, stating these Tyrells are only Lannisters with flowers. Dantos tells her that they will escape as promised on Joffrey's wedding day. So this uh, chapter, again, it's it's actually um, it's kind of short. So um, we'll probably read actually like quite a bit of it here. Um and it's, I think it's only like a couple pages, uh, but it was only, I, I listened to the audiobook and it was only like 10, it was like 10 minutes. I think it was, it was, it was pretty short. So uh, here we go. So a new gown, she said, as wary as she was astonished, more lovely, more lovely than any of you have worn, my lady, the old woman promised. She measured Sansa's hips with a length of knotted string 
uh, all silk and mirror lace with satin linings. You will be very beautiful. The queen herself has commanded it. Which queen? Marjorie was not yet Joff's queen, but she had been Renly's. Or did she mean the queen of thorns or the queen regent, to be sure? Queen Cersei, none other. She has honored me with her custom for many a year. The old woman laid a string along the inside of Sansa's leg. Her grace said to me that you are a woman now and you should not dress like a little girl. Hold out your arm. Sansa lifted her arm. She needed a new gown. That was true. That was true. She had grown three inches in the past year and most of her old wardrobe had been ruined by the smoke when she tried to burn her mattress on the day of her first flowering. Your bosom will be as lovely as the queen's, the old woman had said as she looped her string around Sansa's chest. You should not hide it, so. You should not hide it, so. The comment made her blush, yet the last time she'd gone riding, she could not let her... Uh, she could not lace her jerkin all the way up to the top, and the stable boy gaped at her helping at, as he helped her to mount. Sometimes she caught grown men looking at her chest as well, and some of the tunics were so tight she could scarce breathe in them. So... When you read that part, obviously Sansa is going through puberty. She's becoming a woman. Um, what do you take from that? Like when you read that. So there's a lot actually to unpack here. And mm -hmm. some of the things I found in the old forums and things like that are like some of the most insane breakdowns I've seen of this. So. This there's actually George actually does a, an amazing job here at at hinting at so many different things going on. It's actually kind of insane uh, to be <laughs> to be honest. Like this is one of those chapters you can actually come back to much later. And here we are in a reread. We know what's going to happen and pick this apart. And it's like George. This is probably a chapter in all honesty that George wrote like towards the end of the way he writes the books and things like that. He's like, I need like a, a chapter in between. So on one hand, she's getting this new dress and she doesn't know exactly where it's coming from. It's talking about Sansa going through puberty. And at the same time, this old woman is here and this old woman is like checking out her legs and it's talking a little bit about her hips and things like that. So like the subtext of this is actually like an air is what is going to be coming to this. And we'll get into this later where it seems like actually the Tyrells are viewing this as potential of Sansa giving them Winterfell. Because if you're the Tyrells and you're playing chess, if you get Sansa, you'll have the reach and Winterfell, like regardless of what happens with Joffrey or anything. But if you get Joffrey too, you've now got a foothold in basically all of Westeros. Cause you've got the North you've got over here. If you look, I'll pull up a map too. Um, but I mean, and then King's Landing, you've got like the Southeast, the Southwest and the North. I mean, Westeros isn't, it's large, but you look at the, where the kingdoms are, some are bigger than others. So the reach in the North are massive. And then the crown land, obviously the power you'd have there, that's essentially all of Westeros. That would also, that would, that also, oh, let me pull up a map here too. Um, just, I think it helps emphasize it, but your, your thoughts, Jimmy, while I get this pulled up here. Well, so when I first read this, I was like, oh, George, what a uh, what a old dude way of talking about a girl growing up. Well, her bosom's growing. Her hips are growing. But like you said, when I sat there and thought about it a little bit more, because um, George can be voyeuristic at times uh, in his writing, I was like, no, I think he's hitting at something a lot deeper than this. But before I go into what I think it's actually hinting at in the story here, uh, I just wanted to say that 
going through this time as a female is the most vulnerable, awkward time of your life. And she is being used and pivoted by so many different people, which makes all the things that are happening so much worse for her, like her most formative years of ruined. Um, so I think even from a character perspective, I think we're supposed to take it in the fact that, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on internally with Sansa that doesn't even have to do with the terrible stuff that's happened to her family, but it's on top of that. Yeah. And I'll pull up another map too, but I, I do kind of like this and I never really get a chance to use it. Um, so, I mean, I mean, you look over here, right. And you've got like the reach. I mean, I think people kind of forget sometimes that just about how large the reach actually is. And just really, I mean, in all honesty, it's like Dorn is like, sometimes we kind of forget like Dorn is honestly like kind of cut off. I mean, like, it's not even just that Dorne doesn't want anything to do with the Seven Kingdoms. It's like, you really have to go over these mountains to get there. And so it really is just kind of cut off. And it's easy for them to not really have anything to do with the rest of Westeros. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if they get the Reach, if they get, like, the North, because they could now have Sansa, and then you look over here, I mean, this, like, a, this marriage to... Sansa marriage marriage to Willis would be like the ultimate chess piece for them because they the the Lannisters wouldn't even be able to do anything battle wise because they'd be cornered. I agree, and it is very odd that the Tyrell seems so confident that Sansa will be the heir. So, what is that telling us right here? What could, what could you possibly extrapolate from where we are in the book and the chapters that we've been reading? You can extrapolate a very interesting piece of information. The Tyrells knew that the Red Wedding was going to happen right here. Oh, yeah. Because Rob Stark, and it sounds even thing. She's like, oh, well, there's Rob, but Rob is off. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll be doing his own thing. We, we can honestly assume... Because remember the phrase of the phrase of left, they said there's been we've been disgraced. Our house has been disgraced at the end of Clash of Kings when Arya is leaving Harrenhal. I think the Tyrells were sure Rob Stark was going to die. I think the Tyrells at this moment knew about the Red Wedding. Yeah, that's a really that's a that's a really good point. And, and honestly, it's kind of crazy to think about. I mean, really, you go back to our last our last week, uh, you know, or well, two. It was the last time we did, or actually I wasn't there for it. it was the one you did with Joanna. But mm -hmm. it was that Catlin chapter. And I, I re listened to it before last week's John chapter two. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they knew that once John met once John married Jane Westerling, it sort of screwed it sort of. I mean, it just screws. Excuse me. Yeah. Once <laughs> uh, Rob. Yeah. Marries Jane Westerling. It just screws everything up. Yeah, and we talked about the timeline and how that actually had taken place, you know, before Catelyn knew she was locked in the tower. Other people in Westeros have known for a while, but I, yeah. I would not be surprised if the Tyrells were clued in or had an inkling that there was a good chance Sansa was going to be the last Stark remaining. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, crazy it, to think about, dude. Yeah, and because I've, just... I've always said the Tyrells seem like good people, but. I think Dantos is right. He's just, they're Lannisters with flowers. Like they, they really are. They're playing the game too. And just because Marjorie's being nice to the people we like right now, doesn't mean that they have um, the best of intentions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it is, I guess it's the subtext, right? You could really begin looking at it 
in that Catlin chapter where uh Rob comes back, he's got this wife, this is bad. And now here we're getting the like other, another side of it, but you're hearing about it. Yeah. They're thinking it's, it's, it's time to move, which is kind of crazy because in some ways you would imagine that the Tyrells wouldn't know about it. You would think that the you would think that the royal family is keeping that very close to like nobody else really is going to know about it. You know what I mean? Like the Lannisters are going to or the Lannisters are going to keep that like to themselves. And who's to say that you know a little birdie didn't tell or or you know there there's definitely a chance that maybe they just have an inkling of what's going on. It's not like Tywin sat down and said, "Now listen, Elena." We're going to poison, you know, or we're going to uh, kill Rob Stark at a family dinner because also they deny it because it's a horrible look on the house's honor, right? It is the worst thing you could do in Westeros, I think. So I'm definitely going a little far, but it feels like the Tyrells feel confident that Rob Stark is not going to be around and not going to win, clearly. Yeah. No, that's 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 a, that's a good point. That's a that's a that's a really that's a really good point. And there's more into it here, and we'll we'll dive in here too. Um, so it kind of continues on here, and uh, she's asking a little bit more about the about the dress, right? Um, you know, she said like your bosom your bosom will look as lovely as the queen's. The comment made her blush. Uh, um, and then it talks about the thing. You know, what color will it be? She asks the seamstress. Leave the colors to me, my lady. You'll be pleased. I know you will. You shall have. Uh, you shall have small clothes and uh, hose as well, uh, kirtles and mantles and cloaks and all else befitting a lovely young uh, lady of noble birth. Will they be ready in time for the king's wedding? Oh, sooner, much sooner. Her grace insists. I have six seamstress and 12 apprentice girls, and we have all set our uh, other work aside for this. Many ladies will cr uh, be cross with us, but it, it was the queen's command. Thank her grace kindly for her thoughtfulness. Sansa said politely, she is too good to me. Her grace is most generous. The seamstress agreed as she gathered up her things and took their leave. But why Sansa wondered when she was alone, it made her uneasy. I'll wager this gown is Marjorie's doing somehow or her grandmother's. So the really kind of interesting thing about this dress too is that we you know we know that actually the importance of this dress is the purple wedding that's where she'll be wearing it where yeah <laughs> people will assume her and Tyrion poisoned joffrey yeah that's why it's so important for for the all these people now do you i mean now that's kind of also interesting too because if Sansa hadn't escaped, it seemed do the do the Tyrells really want Winterfell? Because if Sansa doesn't escape with Littlefinger, is she going to be killed? Is Cersei going to kill her? I think Cersei definitely would have tried. But also, would would Sansa have been accused had she been present? I, I, I don't just, think. I don't, I don't think they would have. I think they would have just blamed Tyrion. See, I don't know. I, I th that's obviously what Elena must think. Yeah, I think Elena saw a way, like, assuming she's the one who poisoned Joffrey. I don't think that there is any way that she would have. Because we don't know. We still don't know who did it in the. That's right. I think Elena is probably a pretty fair guess. I think that that's right. reasonable. Uh, but I don't think that Sansa would have been accused had she not gone missing. I think her going missing was definitely an indicator. I mean, it's not great timing, you could say. <laughs> 
it's not the best. Certainly, certainly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, let's uh, continue on here a little bit. So here, after even she gets the dress right, and she thinks and gets Marjorie or Marjorie or her grandmother, she goes back and she's saying, you know, Marjorie's kindness has been unfailing, and her presence changed everything. Marjorie's her ladies, person. Exactly. And here it's almost like Sansa is still in that sort of not really realizing the way the world actually works type of a thing. I think still she's so like, desperate to have someone on her side that she is. Yeah. Just like, it had been so long since she had enjoyed the company of other women, had almost forgotten how pleasant it could be. Lady Leonard gave her lessons on the high harp. Lady Jana shared all of the choice gossip. Mary Crane had always had an amusing story. Um, and little lady Bulwer reminded her of Arya, though not so fierce. Closest to Sansa's own age were the cousins Eleanor, Alla, and Mega Tyrells from junior branches of the house. Roses from lower on the bush, quipped Eleanor, who was witty and uh, willowy. Mega was round and loud. Alla, shy and pretty, but Eleanor ruled the three of by white of by right of womanhood she had was a maiden flowered whereas mega and ala were all girls so it kind of just continues on there, uh, here a little bit um and she's just kind of talking about these characters and i don't even think these so, characters show, show up again uh, well they I, I, <laughs> uh, we're into the mega right we're talking about the cousins right. they yeah. do matter this is setting up what we see with the high septon whenever it's accused that marjorie oh right with her cousins and right, right, right. at the end of the paragraph says Sanda, San, uh, sorry, Sansa wondered what uh, Mega would think about kissing the hound because she's thinking about Mega kissing right. uh, Marjorie as she had. He'd come to her the night of the battle stinking of wine and blood. He kissed me and threatened to kill me and made me sing him a song, which is an unreliable narrator because that's not how that happened. Correct. Very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, and yeah. It, that's what that's a that's one thing we've never talked about the unkiss. You and I have never actually d dove into that. And what what do we what we think about so, it? So why do you think she has this memory? I think it's I think it's because Sans that's a good honestly. Honestly, this whole this whole deal to me is always sort of I've I've always sort of viewed the hound kiss as one I don't think anything's ever really going to come of it. I think the whole purpose of it is Sansa's whole role is that she loves the songs. She loves the stories. She loves the idea of gallant knights and damsels in distress and, you know, good kings and queens and yes, court and everything. Thing. Yeah, exactly. And in reality, that's not the way the world works. And that's sort of one of the reasons she's honestly one of my favorite characters. Um, and I, I actually, I think in the show, actually, I think in the show one, I think, uh, Sophie Turner is like perfect as Sansa Stark. And I actually think she kind of wins the whole thing. I would, to me, she comes out the best in the show. Yeah. Um, they just had not done the whole Ramsey bit. It would have been a lot better. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's the way they did it is, but at the, at the same time. Yeah. I do think she she at the end of it all where people are right she kind of got what she wanted the most but to me I, I how do I phrase this without that to me it's like it's like it's adversity I mean like it's to me it makes I don't whether they decided to do it or not obviously whether they should have done it I don't know but at the end of the day 
it's still somebody who overcame something absolutely terrible yeah. and still found a way to achieve <clears throat> things and still found a way to fight and still found a way to yeah. um you know climb the ranks for herself and like push through all that adversity and i i mean you know bad things happen to characters in stories and then that's the thing you know overcoming that adversity is the thing that makes them great and why sansa show sansa is one of my is one of my favorite characters in the whole thing so and i love i love actually loved her loved her ending yeah. um but i think going so, sort of going back to that is that's with the hound is that's kind of the way sansa's story i think is also going to progress in the books is that she's gonna continue to learn the game of thrones continue to learn these things that the stories and everything she thought is not the way the world works i think the kiss thing is is probably going to come back up at some point later and she's going to be like you know that's not even the way that went yeah so a few things so one of the more interesting things about this passage is that people think that sansa is She's doing a lot of stuff subconsciously in this chapter. She's actually thinking about Arya two or three times in this chapter while saying that Arya wasn't a good, like Arya didn't suit as a sister at all. At one point she says that while dreaming of Arya, comparing someone around her to Arya, even with a backhanded compliment is not as fierce. So there's a lot of like subconscious things going on with Sansa that maybe she's not willing to admit or she's not ready to admit and some people, I think, point to the fact that she is imagining kissing the hound that maybe she had actually wanted to or she wouldn't have minded as much. Right. She would never admit that, though, because he's not a gallant, beautiful knight, just like Arya is not the perfect, you know, uh, Barbie doll sister. And there's like a comparison between Arya not being the prototypical sister and the hound not being the prototypical knight. And that at the end of the day, that's actually what she's going to end up wanting. And there is a theory that the Hound and Sansa end up together at the end of the series, which I think is somewhat interesting. Uh, it's always a little weird because of the age thing. And I think that is the reason for the lie. I think the lie is that she is not willing to admit in her conscious mind that maybe she would have been OK with that. Um, it's weird. It's really weird. And I right. think another thing with like show Sansa I agree that like overcoming that stuff is like super duper important for a character. The problem is, and this is a problem with TV. I shouldn't say a problem, but this is a trope that's happened now in fantasy over and over and over again. And it's because people have missed the point, I think, of George's work. And they actually miscorrelate the show and the books. This happens all the time. I just threw my pencil right. across the room on accident. Um, <laughs> so there seems to be a default that whenever you want a female character to seem strong and overcome something that, that rape ends up being the, the default. And right. I think that there's a very specific reason why George didn't do this in the books and they did it in the show. I think that Dan and Dave didn't understand Sansa's character and George is saying, why would I do that to this character? Look at everything that's already happened to her. She saw her dad get decapitated. You know what I mean? Like there's right. plenty to overcome. And I think that Dan and Dave lost sight of a lot of the groundwork that was laid in the earlier seasons. And, and we're I, just trying to do, and we're just trying to do something for like the, the most shot that on. I mean, honest to God, I'll say it, that's my, my single most least favorite scene in the entire show. It's the worst. I skip it, any like, cause I have, I have rewatched game of Thrones and I skip it. I, I hate it. Even like, even like, you know, like house of the dragon. Um, I'm not going to know a lot of um, women, especially had it like, 
like almost like PTSD issues with like some of the birth scenes and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, obviously, I've never had to go through childbirth, so I can't no. uh, imagine, you know, obviously <laughs> what that would be like and stuff like that. But for me, it's like the one scene that's like, oh, dude, I don't even I and you don't even obviously we don't see it, but it's just like but, you know, <laughs> the funny thing is that the Sansa one feels worse somehow, even though it actually happens to Danny in like episode one or two, or even in the books, it sort of, it sort of happens too, but the Sansa in the show one feels worse. I think it's because we view Sansa as like more innocent. And then obviously like Danny and Cal Drogo end up kind of loving each other. But I mean, it happens to Danny too. Yeah. It happens absolutely. to a lot, happens to a lot of females in the, in, in the series. Yeah, and the Danny one is is tough, and it's tough in the books too. Like that's the one that you know when people point it out, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it is that that's a that's a tough scene. Um, my problem has always been that, that George ends up catching flack for things that the show did that he didn't do in the books. Like correct he about Sansa, and like a person of nobility would never have that happen. It's like, well, there is no rape of nobility in these books because remember, Daenerys is an Essos, so like I'm talking about Westeros because right. um, he gets a lot of flack because he. I can go to this right. whole thing, but basically the historical record, right. it wasn't really right. like this where everyone's just getting assaulted all the time right. and yada, right, yada, right, yada. Right. But that's the thing. The only person of nobility that I can recall in these books that actually ends up being sexually abused technically is Cersei because she doesn't actually love Robert. It's a forced marriage. And that did happen. Right. That did happen in medieval oh, times. Certainly. It yeah. probably still, ha you know, I mean. Oh, yeah. It's a reoccurring right, right, issue right. is my point. So I, I do get I, I get really frustrated when people throw um, a lot of flack at George for Theon stuff, too. That's in the show that isn't in the books, you know, and I just think Sansa has so much to overcome. And then George is doing something really cool here where instead of just saying like Sansa was traumatized because of this, he's actually showing you the effects of that. In a girl right. who's going through puberty, who is now completely unwilling to admit things to herself and is really just everyone's pawn. Uh, and I'm with you. Sansa is one of my favorite characters. I, I I see a lot of new readers because of my book channel on YouTube and a lot of new readers like Sansa's the worst. She's so annoying. And I'm like, where's your empathy, man? <laughs> like, She's yeah. just a girl. Yeah. Well, hey, going off that real quick here, if you actually so the like the next paragraph we're out here, too, is. We actually get to see a little bit of Sansa's kind of turning the Game of Thrones is beginning to click in her head a little bit here, too. Mm -hmm. After she's kind of done talking to them, right? She's she says they are children. Sansa thought they're silly yep. little girls, even Eleanor. They've never seen a battle. They've never seen a man die. They know nothing, which is, you know, so remember the Jon Snow chapter last time, too. Their dreams were full of songs and stories the way hers had been before Joffrey cut her father's head off. Sansa pitied them. Sansa envied them. And that is showing the damage. This is showing the damage that Sansa has. She is not like the girls her age and nor should, nor in, in nobility, nor in just her past traumas. It's a very telling paragraph for sure. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then it just sounds, it goes right back to Marjorie was different though. Sweet and gentle. Made yet fun of little... them being children yeah. and has a childlike yeah. infatuation with Marjorie. It's so good. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. 
The day before the last, she'd taken Sansa hawking. It was the first time that she'd been out side by side, side the city since the battle. The dead had been burned or buried, but the mudgate was scarred and splintered. Where Lord Sanus's rams had battered it in the hulls. You know, it just kind of continues on there a little bit. Um, then they talk a little bit about Willis. He has the best birds in the Seven Kingdoms, Marjorie said, when the two of them were briefly alone. He flies an eagle sometimes. You'll see. Um, and then she gave her hands, gives her hand a squeeze and says, sister. Sansa had once dreamt of having a sister like Marjorie, beautiful and gentle, with all the world's graces at her command. Arya had been entirely unsatisfactory as sisters went. How can I let my sister marry Joffrey, she thought, and suddenly her eyes were full of tears. Marjorie, please, you know, you mustn't. Um, you mustn't marry him. He's not like you. He'll hurt you. I shouldn't think so, Marjorie said. So Marjorie smiled uh, confidently. It's brave of you to warn me, but you need not fear. Joff spoiled and vain, and I don't doubt he's as cruel as you say, but father forced him to name Loras of the Kingsguard before he would agree to the match. I shall have the finest knight in the Seven Kingdoms protecting me night and day as Prince Aemon protected Neris. So our little lion had best behave, you know. Um, then it goes on a little bit here. Uh, she is so brave. Sansa thought galloping after her, her doubts still nod at her. You know, Sir Loras was a great knight. I'll agree. But Joffrey had other King's guard and gold cloaks and red cloaks beside. And when he was older, he would command armies of his own. Aegon the unworthy had never harmed Queen Neris, perhaps for fear of the brother of the dragon knight. But when another of his King's guard fell in love with one of his mistress, the King had them both beheaded. Yeah. So there's a lot here. One of the reasons why I think Marjorie Tyrell is taking her out through these gates is to show her the, the war-torn land. Now, the bodies are buried, but is this not just a subtle reminder that it's not safe in King's Landing? Like, kind of maybe encouraging Sansa, and then along with calling her sister and talking about how awesome her brother is. Uh, I know I'm painting Marjorie in, like, the worst light. Uh, I don't dislike Marjorie, but I do think she's playing the Game of Thrones. And also... One of the reasons why she is so brave about Joffrey is because now we know with full context, and I would assume at this point, uh, Olena Tyrell had probably already planned to kill Joffrey, right? Like this is like the, if, if oh, she I, is, the I think so because she's already, yeah, because she's already getting the dress ready. That is why she's so confident. You know, we'll tame the little lion. It's like, yeah, because you know he's dead. <laughs> yeah. He's going to die. Uh, and maybe maybe at this point they don't know. But I think the Tyrells had uh, definitely thought about that before pledging um, that marriage. So it's just funny. And Sansa is worried about her when in all reality she should be worried about herself. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, it's a tough thing because Sansa has been through so, so much. But then when she's calling after Marjorie and fawning over her, you see that even though she has all that trauma, she's still a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think, um, cause obviously the Tyrells seem quite competent here, right? We could get this dress ready. Oh, yeah. They're spending all this time and everything. Marjorie's here. Like you said, don't worry about Joffrey. And then when it all goes down, it's just the, the 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 downfall of the Tyrells is it's just one of those wild some for the history books. <laughs> it's just one of those things where George just pulls something out of nowhere with the faith essentially coming in, and it's like wow, wasn't ex wasn't expecting that whatsoever. And it's kind of like the same. I mean, it happens. It's it's one of those things where basically the same thing that happens to every character that falls yep. is. 
they you have to be as cautious as possible the entire way at throughout and then the second they slip up nope yeah and i think that the faith stuff is actually far better in the books than it was in the show because oh, i'm way better we're like season way six way, way, way phenomenal, but it was it was rough going for a few weeks there i remember watching it and i always thought the books pasted a lot better and you're right. I think about the Tyrells though, what they're doing here. They're literally going to be getting rid of Joffrey Baratheon to put in Tommen, who they will be able to shape and, and manipulate. And then they're getting the most passive Stark under their wing as well. Like they will rule the kingdom. They still actually in theory could. Yes. Right. Like, we don't know like, if like, the Baylor blow. We don't know. We anything. don't we we have no idea what's gonna what's gonna happen with the Tyrells. Yes. The Tyrells the are book. wide open. I, I think me and you have talked about this before, but I, I see a potential Marjorie trying to get with young Griff and her being beheaded. Uh, Cause I don't know if you remember lady Adrian talking about the kind of uh, the similarities between Anne Boleyn and the Marjorie Tyrell and how Anne Boleyn was beheaded. The, well, the prob the problem with that is that she's still like going to marry. She's still like got Tommen because Tommen yeah, Tommen might not Tommen, 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 yeah, Tommen might not jump out of a window. Tommen only jumps out of a window because Marjorie dies. Yeah, it's so yeah, it's so hard to think about what you know. Tommen is a wild card because I don't know if I could see George just being like, Yeah, this kid jumped out of a window. I don't know. We already got a kid pushed out of a window, but see the big one, the big one that I, I've talked I've talked about in the past is actually hmm. the character that seems most likely to have some roles flipped is Marcella and Tommen might have their, might have their roles completely flipped from what, from, from what, from what we saw in the show, because Marcella could be that younger, more beautiful queen. I still kind of think it's going to end up being Jane Westerling only because of the Maggie, the frog connection to, you know, potentially like oh, that, that, yeah. that it actually kind of comes from Maggie, the frog's line, mm -hmm. but Marcella could actually be the younger, more beautiful queen that overthrows Cersei. How and Mar Mar Marcella could actually be the one who jumps out of the window. Yeah, and she—that's a whole nother and Dark Star and right. Dorn. I mean, we'll get there. I mean, we you know we we, still, yeah, we got lots more chat, lots more lots more chapters to go, but. <clears throat> Yeah, I just don't. I mean, on one hand, it's like I just don't see George having a six-year-old jump out of a window. Well, okay, it's also George Martin. He definitely could have a six-year-old jump out of a window. I mean, he had a in in he had a he had a baby's head smashed against a wall. Uh, I mean, you know, like allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, right? But <laughs> you know, I mean, so yeah, yeah. That's that's sort Give of your like Ravens. The, what what do you think Tommen's gonna do and wins a winner? That's what I want to know. I want to know what people think. I wonder if the book, if the book community believes that the uh, Sep's going to get blown up. I'm 50, 50. I, I don't know. I think there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of foreshadowing for it just because when Tyrion goes down to meet with the pyromancers, he realizes Cersei oh, yeah. was still the one making it. So what's the, you know, what's but also what's the... it's supposed to be in the dragon pit, right? Not the Sept right so i right. don't but maybe they just moved like but they could, they could like, dragon they, 
Yeah. 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 They, they, they could move it. So I mean, it could be like Cersei blows up the sept and that causes all this unrest. And that's exactly when young Griff comes in with the people's favor. And then he's, his banners being hoisted and that's Danny's mummer's dragon. I mean, there, there, there's, there's ways for it to work. So I'm not totally against the idea, but we'll see. Or maybe yeah. we won't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let's uh, let's continue on here a, a little bit too. So, um, so she actually kind of ends up being done um, with them, right? Uh, with and then uh, this is when she's gonna end up getting uh, meeting with uh, Sir Dantos here. So we'll sort of uh, continue on a little bit here. So Sansa was surprised that Marjorie did not see it too. She's older than me. She must be wiser. And her father, Lord Tyrell, knows what he's doing. Surely I'm just being silly. Um, when she told Sir Dantos that she was going to Highgarden to marry Willis Tyrell, she thought he would be relieved and pleased for her. Instead, he grabbed her arm and said, you cannot. And a voice as thick and horror as with wine. I tell you, these Tyrells are only Lannisters with flowers. I beg of you, forget this folly. Give your Florian a kiss and promise you'll go ahead as we have planned. Yeah, that's another character. Honestly, we that doesn't get talked about a lot is Sansa's relationship with Dantos. Here's another like just kind of creepy guy that she has to deal with. That's what I'm saying. Everybody and, wants to use her one way or another, even if right. they're and helping he, her, they're still using. And honestly, her. even between the two, like Dantos and the hound, when you look at the two of them, the, the hound, even given his like scarred figure is still like, you know, the hound is a boss. The hound and, is the only person who is offered to help her without anything in return. Right. Yeah. He's the knight. He's the real knight. Yeah. So, yeah, but she has to be here to give your Florian a kiss. Yeah. You know, the night of Joffrey's wedding, that's not so long. Wear the silver hairnet and do as I told you. And afterward, we make our escape. He tried to plant a kiss on her cheek. Ugh, Sansa slipped from his grasp and stepped away from him. I won't. I can't. Something would go wrong. When I wanted to escape, you wouldn't take me. And now I don't need to. Um, you know, so here's also a little bit where. He, Shanza again a little bit a little bit here we be, uh, we get to see a little more of Sansa playing the game working for herself that's kind of what s some of this chapter is you know I'll be safe in high garden she says yeah um so she uh, continues on here a bit and then she starts to think a little bit to herself too so sweetling he told her you are the heir to uh Winterfell he grabbed her again pleading that she must not do this thing and Sansa wrenched free let him sway beneath the heart tree she had not visited the god's wood since so yeah and so she stops going too but she had not forgotten his words either the heir to winterfell she would think as she lay to bed that night it is your claim they mean to wed sansa had grown up with three brothers she never thought to have a claim but with bran and rickon dead it doesn't matter they're still rob a man grown and he'll soon wed and have a son anyway willis tyrell will have high garden what would he want with winterfell and this is Sansa's bias against her home. You know, we all hate our hometown until we get too old and we realize it's not that bad. But this is her going, why would anyone want Winterfell not realizing that Winterfell is a massive geopolitical pawn? Like our piece. Like it's it's yeah. as good as it gets almost. I mean, it's like Dorn, Winterfell, and then everything between. So this is her bias and her kind of being a little bit immature. Yeah. And here she she keeps thinking about Willis and his leg. And but in her mind, she can't really like fathom a picture of him. because She's never seen him. And she thinks 
she just kind of keeps thinking of Laura. She reminds himself like you shouldn't think about him like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Willis Tyrell was twice her age. She reminded herself and lame as well. Perhaps even plump red face like his father. You know, he's not going to be the champion. Once she dreamed it was her still marrying Joffrey, not Marjorie on their wedding night. And he turned to the headsman ill in pain. She woke trembling. She did not want Marjorie to suffer as she had. You know, I warned her. I did. I told him the truth of him. Perhaps Marjorie did not believe her. And I'm continuing on. She prays to mother above. You know, she lights a candle the next time she visits the Sept and asks her to protect Marjorie from Joffrey's cruelty and perhaps a candle to the warrior as well for Loras. She would wear her, her new gown for the ceremony at the Great Sept of Baylor. She decided as the seamstress took her last measurement. That must be why Cersei is having it made for me, so I will not look shabby at the wedding. She really ought to have a different gown for the feast afterwards, but she supposed one of her old ones would do. She did not want to risk getting food or wine on the new one. I must take it with me to High Garden. She wanted to look beautiful for Willis Tyrell, even if Dantos was right. And it is Winterfell he wants and not me. He may come to love me for him myself. Sansa hugged herself tightly, wondering how long it would be before the gown was ready. She could scarcely wait to wear it. So, yeah, a lot of internal struggling here with Sansa back and forth. But like we said, there's a little bit of Game of Thrones playing here. Yeah, she she's seeing the pieces and uh, slowly you see her starting to uh, <clears throat> kind of come to the realization she's compromising on a lot of stuff and it goes all the way back down to where we began the chapter with the dress. So we built off the dress into a time with Marjorie to going to Dantos to the wedding. And then by the end of the chapter, she's already she's like elated that Marjorie's going to save her and she's thinking about Willis. Right. And then by the end, she's already talked herself into reality of what Willis actually is. And by the end of the chapter, she's sitting alone on her bed. And the only thing she has to truly look forward to is the dress. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful writing. Great chapter structure. So good. Yeah. So, okay. So there's a couple little things in here. Um, I want to point out uh, and some of this I found from like reread Reddit and, and stuff like that as well. Um I mean, there's a little like Easter egg I want to get to, but I want to find it in my Kindle here before I pull it up. But this one uh, I thought was really good and really kind of got me thinking about a lot of stuff. So I'll, I'll read it here. So I shouldn't think so. Marjorie smiled confidently. As we learn later, um, this is from uh, Reddit uh, user Prof. Cecily, I guess uh, is his name. Anyway, says, as we learn later, Marjorie's family has taken every possible precaution to ensure her confidence is well-founded. As we've been learning chapter after chapter, Joffrey's fate was sealed long before Lord Baelish rode forth to broker a royal marriage. The chapter opens with a knotted string measuring Sansa's womanly figure. She measured Sansa's hips with a length of knotted string, a silk and mirish lace with satin linings. You will be you will be very beautiful. The queen herself has commanded it. So not only her hips, but the inside of her leg and her bosom, which the dressmaker assures Sansa will be as lovely as the queen's. Sansa's um, Sansa's uh, centers on the lovely fabrics promised. Who wouldn't? But the essence of the scene is that Sansa is being gently and inexorably extrapolated by a knotted string. Another use for a knotted string is to make a net, okay? Which mm. kind of all them kind of like, you know, 
they're capturing her here without her really knowing it. And George actually does comment on something like that. Uh, and this is a brand chapter talking about, we know the potential power of a net from the way summer is brought down by one. So in a clash of Kings brand four thrashing and nowling at the net, trying to rip free summer was only in, in snarling himself worse. Now he could bite, uh, nor could he bite through it. Let him out. Laughing, the reed girl threw her arms around the tangled wolf and rolled them both. Summer gave a piteous, piteous whine. His legs kicked against the cords that bound them. Mira knelt, undid a twist, pulled out at a corner, tugged deftly here and there, and suddenly the dire wolf was bounding free. So they say, we speculated here that it was Helen Reed's net that enabled Ned to kill the finest knight in this time, Sir Arthur Dane. Perhaps George is trying to underline the point here that Marjorie and, and Sansa also go in a hunt in the marshes along the bay. We'll see later that Sansa's efforts to free herself from the net that has ensna ensnared her here are in vain, and it will take deft tugs and undoing twists to free her. Man, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah and then also it says she has not visited the godwood since and it says like, i wonder if this is something we don't really get here that varus actually picks up on because that might be where varus is perhaps seeing her and spying on her yeah i think one of the best things that we can do on reread is just thinking about people like what what is left off the page and like George does such a ridiculously good job of like who knows what like knowledge is power in the world, but it's also a really fun way of putting people in weird situations. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things that he has to deal with as a writer. I would imagine. I imagine wins is also very difficult because you're trying to figure out who knows what and when they figured it out and yada, yada, yada. But I always try to think about like, like for instance, what do the Tyrells know when they're having these interactions? And I think it's possible. They maybe had an inkling that a red wedding might happen. And I think they probably almost for sure knew they were going to kill Joffrey Baratheon at this point. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. But it, it, that, that net thing is actually kind of interesting to see, like to, oh, yeah. to, to think about. So there is a cool little Easter egg here. Um, and I, I wanted to find it in the chapter. So it's when Joffrey, or excuse me, it's when Marjorie and Sansa are kind of talking to each other. And, um, they're out like hunting or whatever so the only traffic that was flat bottomed was the flat bottom ferry that took them across the river and while they reached the kingswood they found a wild a wilder uh a wilderness of ash and charcoal and dead trees but the waterfowl teemed in the marshes along the bay and sansa's maryland brought down three ducks while marjorie's paragon took a hair a, a heron in full flight so that's marjorie's bird or whatever is a peregrine peregrine p-e-r-e-g-r-i-n-e peregrine or whatever um but peregrine took t-o-o-k is actually perrin in lord of the rings so it's a little it's actually kind oh, of a little lord, it's actually a little it's actually a little lord of the rings uh I do it's know a little, it's, actually, it's a little it's actually a little lord of the rings easter egg in, in there I love that's that. that's what George does yeah well, so it's, it's spelled fan. it's spelled the same way p-e-r-e-g-r-i-n um Fantastic. or pippin pippin you know whatever uh it's actually who, um, but yeah when you said parent i was thinking of uh wheel of time uh which so, are no, such a wheel yeah. time reference two wheel of time references i believe yeah. in, pippin in... pippin is, but his his actual name is peregrine took yeah but he took, took. yeah yep T T okay so but here it's saying it's here saying this bird did something it took something but it's yeah it's a little it's a little Lord of the Rings 
uh, reference there. Is that a double entendre? Is that is that how, I, is that what sure. that's called? I don't I, know. I don't know. Somebody uh, shaking uh, their head, listening to this, going, "What a bunch of morons!" <laughs> These people don't even know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> seven, seven hells here. So uh, here's another uh, comment here from the uh, reread subreddit. It says small chapter, but we can learn some things. For starters, Sansa cannot keep a secret. From a Game of Thrones with Ned, now with the Tyrells, and in later books, she, when she gets interested when the name of um, John is mentioned, she's an open book. We learned that part of the deal was to put Loras to the Kingsguard to protect Marjorie. We later learned that this was uh, Peter Baelish's idea, um, but you know, but it's basically saying that Sansa can't keep a secret because she's like, you know, don't marry him; he's terrible. I can't, you know. <laughs> and is that ever going to come back to bite her? You know, like the idea of keeping a secret. I could see it. Maybe the secret is John's heritage at some point. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of secrets. <laughs> There's so many secrets. She's keeping her identity a secret through the second half of the series. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. I think that's it for some of the, the comments and stuff. Uh, I had, yeah, but yeah, the, the deal, like it is, it is kind of interesting. The, just the way that they're, they are preparing her here and this is we should actually kind of maybe come back to a little bit of this chapter when we get to purple wedding mm -hmm. and see like you know the connections that are actually were made were there any knotted ropes around yeah what kind of birds were there <laughs> yeah 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 interesting so that's the thing sometimes these small chapters even though there's not a whole lot Sometimes, man, there's a lot. There's actually a, there's a lot to pull from it. So yeah, it's not pointless. Uh, uh, you know, there, George no. wrote these very intentionally, and uh, I think that these are some of the most fun chapters. Uh, whenever you think it's just a filler chapter or bridge, um, like we called it earlier, I think that. I mean, look, seventy almost seventy five minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we did. Yes. We talked about some news, and we did. We know we did. We well, did fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So okay all right well with that folks that's gonna be our episode this week we're what are we into next time aria, aria so three. yeah aria three so anyway uh with that as always want to thank you guys for playing the game of thrones In our next episode we will be discussing a storm of swords aria three and if you like our podcast don't forget to subscribe like us write a review leave us a comment or please send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com or bend the knee podcast.com we will see you next time and remember that winter is coming. <laughs>